Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to interview trauma-informed licensed acupuncturist, Winnie Chan, who is also a shamanic Tao healer, a Reiki practitioner, a shadow worker, and the co-author of Honoring Darkness, Embrace Shadow Work to Nourish and Grow Your Power. Winnie will be speaking to us from South Pasadena, California, where she is a professor in acupuncture at Alhambra Medical University. Winnie's mission in life is to, live, is to deliver love as medicine, to help everyone discover their original wholeness. She does this by combining the medical science of a clinically trained acupuncturist with the spiritual knowledge of a shaman to help her clients process their trauma, which is the root cause of many physical, and emotional illnesses. I'm looking forward to interviewing Winnie about the ways people can heal all aspects of their lives by aligning their soul, heart, and mind, energy, and body. Why she considers grief to be a sacred gift that brings us deeper love with the divine, her book, Honoring Darkness, and more for what is sure to be a touching and powerful interview filled with important healing insights by with a very special woman. Hi, Winnie. A warm, heartfelt welcome to Green oh. Rebirth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am just overwhelmed with gratitude for this opportunity. And I thank you. And as am I, every time I interview someone, but sometimes you get someone who's really special, you, you can feel it and so tuned in and we're going to have just this wonderful interview. So let's start with this question so everyone can kind of get to know you and, and, and how you came about to do what you do. So you're very candid about your trauma-filled childhood. In what ways did it provide the inspiration for much of the healing work you're doing today? Honestly, there was a time in my life when I dreaded therapy. I really hated talking about it because my ego is so attached to looking good. And I hated being weak and crying and all over the place. Until that moment, I realized that if I don't heal myself, I'm going to pass all of my childhood trauma onto my children. And unfortunately, I've already messed them up a little bit. So <laughs> I know. So what they say is that a child's subconscious is formed between age zero and seven. 
So unfortunately, I didn't have my spiritual awakening until my kids are seven and nine. So that means I perpetuated all the fear, guilt, and shame that was given to me onto my children. But you know what? For all the listeners who is listening, it doesn't matter if you have kids who are two and four, 12 and 14, 22 or 24. It's never too late to start healing your childhood trauma so that you can interrupt this pattern. You know, we call it ancestral karma when it's like my great grandmother gave it to my grandmother gave it to my mother gave it to me and then I give give it to my daughter but you know what I'm gonna say no you know this trauma ends with me I'm gonna have compassion for all the ways I have hurt my children before my awakening because at this moment what do I get to create and who do I get to be so that my children can heal, right? So really, I also always think that, you know, and this is true. I didn't learn to cook until I was 27 when my daughter was uh, eight months old (laughs) because I was like, okay, I have to stop eating unhealthily because I don't want to give my unhealthy eating habits to my daughter. And I really think as a mother, there's nothing more motivating to wanting to give the absolute best to your children. And I think on my own, I don't think I do the healing work, but I'm like, man, I got to show up for my daughters. They are great motivations. But also I can say from my own experience, Winnie, I had also a tremendous, uh, a childhood filled with tremendous trauma. And someone in the family somewhere has to decide they're going to stop the legacy. And the only way they stop the legacy is to do their own healing work. And then they pass that forward instead of passing the trauma forward. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. You know, so we're on the same page. Can I just ask you very briefly, like what was some of that trauma that you experienced? Yeah, so the greatest is this suppression. This idea that I'm the parent, I'm the authority, and I know better than you. And that actually led to soul loss because what happens is when a mother says, I'm right and you're wrong, you know, what happens is think about the Japanese soldiers, how they are like, you know, all the suicide bombers, right? Do they really want to go like hurt people or kill people? No, but they're their ties to their loyalty, you know, their need to be loved and validated by the authority figure is trumping their own conscious, right? So my need to please my mother trumped my own individual expression. So what happens when a parent says, I know better than you, I'm right, you're wrong, in order to keep living under the same roof it's like harry potter where voldemort splits his soul into different parts so every time that happened in order for me to stay in that roof i have to cut off a part of my soul so that i can obey my parents 
so that I can live the way they want me to live, speak the way they want me to speak, act the way they want me to act. And that's a very conditional love. They don't love you unless you, I had the same experience, Winnie. I had the same experience. Um, and it, But for you, it led to three suicide attempts. You were eight, eight years old, 13 and 24. Could you talk to us a little bit about those? I mean, wow, you were in such despair to do that. Yeah, so the first time it happened, uh, a school teacher claims that I cheated on a test. First of all, I'm a girl with four science degree. I went to MIT and I'm the valedictorian. To say that I cheated on a test is ludicrous. And first of all, I can't believe that the teacher claims that I cheated on a test. You know, you know, sometimes my eyes are just kind of like, because I'm done with my test and I'm just like, you know, wandering, right? And, but it doesn't matter that my teacher doesn't trust me, that my mom doesn't trust me. You know, your she- believed, Your mother believed the teacher over you. Yeah, my mother believed the teacher's accusation over me and she went home and, you know, she spanked me. And I was like, okay, not only did you not stand up for me, but you then gave me physical abuse of a punishment that I didn't do. And like, I remember feeling nobody in the world understands me. I'm so isolated and I'm just looking out the window and lived in this apartment complex. I just want to jump out of the window. Like, what's the point of living? Even the person who is supposed to love me the most is not taking my side. So did you jump out that window? No, I uh, I was very practical. I was like, oh, I live on the third floor. You know, if I don't die, I'll just be paralyzed and live a miserable life. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is, you know, if I if I'm gonna commit suicide, it's gonna be like clean and done. It's not. I'm not gonna take any chances. <laughs> so you so you didn't quite complete it. You thought about it. I thought about it. Yeah, and, and I. And did you ever quite complete it, even when you were 13 and 24? No, I mean, you didn't you know, succeed, obviously, but I mean, yeah. did you ever make a physical attempt like that? No, it's just more a romantic fantasy, you know, and I think that for anybody who's listening out there, you know, since COVID, we have had a significant increase in anxiety, depression, and suicide, especially between the age group 15 and 24. You know, this isolation that we had during COVID was so tremendous. And, you know, so if you have fantasized about giving up on yourself, know that it's very normal. And so, you know, before I became a parent, I would allow myself to have these fantasies. But after I became a parent, I gave up that practice because my children depends on me. You know, I can't just go give up on myself because, you know, I want, I don't want my children to have a, a mom that did that. So in a way you can say um, my people pleasing ways are also saving me because I gave up that kind of fantasy. 
go, well, that was good. But you also went through tremendous trauma when you when you got a divorce from your husband of 19 years, right? But you talk about that. Now you're a little older and you're saying that it brought you tremendous trauma, but also significant gifts. You want to tell us about that? Yes. So I was in the most loving relationship with my ex-husband for 19 years. You know, uh, I came here as an immigrant. And when I found my husband, he was my best friend, my family, and also my lover, right? Because when I came here, I didn't know a single person. It's like I am a refugee with a credit card. So I had the money, but I didn't know a single person. So none of your family came with you. You came totally on your own? I came on my own, yeah. Wow. Uh, for political reasons. So, you know, my parents said, okay, it's not safe for you be, to be in your home country. So here's a credit card. And, you know, so that led to all kinds of codependency and the relationship wasn't healthy. But when my ex-husband decided that I no longer want to do the work to be in a marriage with you, I was crushed because for 19 years, he was my rock, right? And when I lost that, I didn't know how to live, you who's know? Winning without, who's winning without him? No, yeah, I, I don't. Kind of, I, had, I had a similar crisis when my husband died. Who am I, it, you know, without him? I can totally understand that. And the gift is that we get to discover who we really are. So the definition of grief is love with nowhere to go. Oh, that's very interesting. I never heard that. That's beautiful. So the, the gift of grief is number one, it shows us how deeply we loved. You know, I remember shortly after I had my divorce, I had, um, you know, this 83-year-old client. He couldn't walk and he came to me and he was lying on my acupuncture table. And he said, you know, Winnie, I've never been married. And I've never really had significant long-term romantic relationship and in that moment I was like wow I'm totally spoiled and entitled and not grateful to God because I'm so grateful to have experienced 19 years of love I'm so experienced grateful to have had children you know I'm so grateful to have had it and then lost it because at least I didn't waste my time on this earth. It's like I got to experience something so profound. And so grief is really telling us we had it really good. <laughs> right? right? It's like right. we had it really good. So instead of lamenting on the fact that boohoo, you know, I'm a victim and nobody loves me right now is, wow, I'm so grateful for all these years that I've had a rock in my life. That is so, so true. So true. So, so that's, true. The, that's the first part of the grief is that it tells us how rich, how colorful, how meaningful 
we've had this really deep loving relationship. Because if you didn't have it in your life, you wouldn't miss it. Exactly, exactly. And the second part is that rejection equals redirection and protection. So in this case, God was guiding me to collect all the love that you know my heart has and then redirect it to another person for example myself i you know i can love myself i can love my mom my dad my brother and oh my god boy when i lost my husband all of a sudden all my other relationship improved because my I healed my relationship with my mom and my dad because I needed to depend on them. And so I called them all the time. And I also gave all my love to my clients. You know, you pouring your love into the podcast, it's the same thing. It's like, <laughs> exactly. It's like you pouring your love into your audience and how very lucky all your audience are to receive your love, right? So sometimes when we lose something, it's like one chapter of our life is closing to make room for another chapter of our lives. That's beautiful and so true, Winnie. So you go through your divorce with its dark nights of the soul and you begin to help people through shadow work. What was that about? How did that prompt you to open that new chapter and and to... Um, delve more deeply into those dark places you still had healing to do exactly so it's funny because before my divorce I was a Reiki healer and I channeled love and light and that brings me to this uh concept called toxic positivity or spiritual bypassing where I'm just like love and light love and light love and light but I was actually avoiding looking at my shadow I was suppressing my anger and my fear and I wasn't honest with myself it's almost like I'm lying that you're putting over but the infection was still there exactly so when I had my divorce it was like my ego got crushed because what does it say about me when I don't have love peace and harmony in my marriage Right. So it was like a wake up call. Ding, 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 ding. And, you know, so many nights I stayed up and really got honest with, you know, my internal unhealed stories as a victim and, you know, being judgmental, unworthy, you know, entitled, manipulation, shame, all kinds of darkness. It makes you have to really get honest with yourself. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah, exactly. It it really, um, it really made me come face to face. It brought me down to my knees. (laughs) (laughs) But you have, you're so courageous and it's wonderful that you did that. Because look at all the people that you're helping now. And you and by removing those blockages and, and everything, it, you're living free. You're breathing free, right? Which is what Absolutely. this interview is about. So 
talk to us about how shadow work helps us to give up struggling and become the fullest expression of the Tao, which means I'm going to, de to, to define it for people, which means to know who we are, trust who we are, know our gifts, know our purpose, and love the totality of ourselves, which to me boils down to self-love, right? Yeah. So how, how, tell us about the shadow work you help people do and how it gives up, helps to give up that struggling. So I believe that everyone is a light. And just like the sun, sometimes we don't see the sun when it's covered by clouds. So sometimes we don't know our true nature is love, compassion, and forgiveness because we're stuck in our stories, our labels. And how this is significant is because when we don't look at the shadow, it turns into diseases. You know, for example, I'm going to give two examples of how doing the shadow work actually heals diseases because, you know, I'm the doctor. So right. the reason I wrote the book is because I wanted to assign it to my patients. <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize when they're very sick, some of it has, uh, some of it, a lot of times it has emotional, you stored something somewhere and where's it going to go, right? So it manifests into sickness. So in traditional Chinese medicine, we say 70% of these body illness is caused by emotions. Wow. So that's really tremendous. So for example, we say that anger is stored in the liver and liver opens in the eyes. So one time I had a client, she found me on Yelp and she said, can acupuncture help with the eyes? And I said, well, I don't know if acupuncture alone can do it, but if you will receive all my magic, I will help you. And so I asked her, how long have you had eye problem? And she said, three months. And I said, okay, so what is the most frustrating thing that happened to you three months ago? And she said, I had a fight with my sister. She set boundaries with me. And then I felt abandoned and I'm angry because what gives her the right to decide when to have a relationship and when not to have a relationship? You know, what about me? And so I said, okay, listen to me. You have a choice. You can be right that you are a victim of your sister or you can forgive your sister, forgive yourself, right? Because what's the sound of one hand clapping, you know? Obviously, you said something to piss her off, and therefore she cut you off. Okay, so you forgive her, forgive yourself, and you'll have your eyes back. Which one you're gonna choose? And she said, "I want my eyes back." I said, "Good choice." Now, what was wrong with her eyes? How, how, how had it manifested? In her she eyes? just she she had um, just difficulty seeing out of her left eye. And so we did acupuncture and also shadow work forgiveness practice. And, you know, with all of, you know, my empowerments, channeling source energy, forgiveness. She was processing and taught her a little bit about boundaries, right? <laughs> yeah. So in one session, her eyesight completely recovered. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's the value of the shadow work, you know, um, and I really want to be able to help people beyond just local, you know, Pasadena, where I have my practice, which is why I have this course, 
online so that people can join me on Zoom so that you can also tell me about, you know, your shadow and we can transform them together. So another example is I had a client. She had liquid coming out of her ears and she went to the ER and they gave her all kinds of medication, antibiotics, cancer meds, everything, but nothing can stop the mysterious liquid coming out of her ear. So in traditional Chinese medicine, we say that kidney stores fear and kidney opens in the ear, right? So again, I asked her, how long has it been? And she said, okay, a couple of months. I said, what happened a couple of months ago? She said, you know, I had to make a decision between selling my company and not selling my company. If I sold my company, I'm afraid that I'm leaving too much money on the table. If I don't sell the company, I'm afraid I'll never get the opportunity to sell my company. And I said, bingo. Fear. Yeah, exactly. I'm where I said, where are you today? She's like, I sold the company a month ago. I said, bingo. Okay. Do you see the emptiness of your suffering? You're still stuck up in the fear. And so, you know, basically I help her trust herself and, you know, by the empowerments that I have as a healer, I'm really grateful to various Taoist, Buddhist, Christian, and Hindu. All, I, I'm a nerd, so I study a lot of spiritual traditions. And through working with my guides in one session, liquid stopped coming out of her ears. Amazing. Fantastic. I love it. Now you work with her guides. So the other part I'm going to tell people is as a shaman, in addition to being an acupuncturist, which is the more the the the, the more traditional healing, but you also have a gift and you can hear the guides of people and they tell you things that help you help that person, correct? Yeah. So one of my major gifts is medical intuition. And honestly, I haphazardly accidentally discovered it. Um, it was very early in my acupuncture career and I have just learned Reiki. And I had a client who had gallstone. Um, and, you know, in Western medicine, the only way to heal gallstone is surgery. And I said, okay, well, no attachment to outcome, but why don't you let me try? Because no harm trying. And as I put my hands over his body, all of a sudden tears started coming down. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know why, but I'm crying. And he's like, I don't know why, but I also want to cry. I'm like, great, let's cry together. <laughs> and um, I, I worked with, you know, the spiritual guidance in terms of where to put the needles and you know, I chanted some healing mantras. I said, okay, spiritual light turns stone into sand, turns stone into sand. And a couple of hours later, he went to bathroom number two and then he texted me, Winnie, when I flushed the toilet, it was sand all around the toilet bowl. I was like, oh, oh my, my God. God, exactly. I'm like, okay, I definitely cannot claim Okay, disclaimer that I know what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, I, I'm very humbled that through the many traumas in my life, I became an expert crier. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's all actually one of my um, superpower is that I'm able to cry with my clients crying and we cry together. And it's almost like the tears are melting the blockages that created this in the first place, right? You know, tears is a release, you know, um, scientifically, we know that tears releases oxytocin and endorphin, right? So when I tell my clients, hey, there's something here and he starts crying, then he's also generating some internal healing mechanism. That's fantastic. So that's going to lead me to your book, which is called Honoring Darkness, Embrace Shadow Work, which we're talking about, to nourish and grow your power. So how does, we're starting to talk about it, shadow work, nourish and grow our power by healing all aspects, all aspects of life, including health, which we've talked about, relationships, that's a good one, finances, and it helps to align the soul, heart, mind, energy, and body. So tell us everything you'd like to tell us and why everyone should buy your book, what they'll get out of it and, and how they, and how that can help them. Yeah, so the book is at once a Netflix, you know, where you read about my childhood trauma, rape, divorce, parental alienation, which if you don't know what that is, is the most painful thing that I don't wish upon anyone. And it's also a textbook because I basically categorize the top 10 shadows that everyone should look at, you know, having this four science degree and also being a professor, I really wanted to create a course and a systematic way of doing this work because sometimes I feel like people go to a talk therapist for 20 years and they're still going to the talk therapist for 20 years. And it's really not the talk therapist's fault, but it's just that you keep going in circles. You're, and you're cycling through, but sometimes I think people don't really want to heal. They just want to hear themselves talking. Exactly. They love the drama. They're into, they're into it. So I'm going to tell you right now that my ego is so big that first of all, I re resisted talk therapy for many years. Now I love it. Uh, because I didn't want to hear the truth about me. I want, didn't want to hear that I'm an angry person. I didn't want to see the monster in me. That you weren't perfect. What a shock. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to drop a bomb and just go ahead and be vulnerable. Uh, so one of my biggest shadow is, gosh, I am or used to be the most judgmental person I know. You know, think about it. What makes me really good with four science degree is that I'm really good at calculating, analyzing, judging. And so it's almost like I see everyone. It's like, there's like an Excel spreadsheet, pros, cons, and then it's like every situation I'm calculating, what can I gain from this? What can I lose from this? I'm always doing this you know, almost like a financial planner. What is the risk and what is the reward? And so therefore, when I come with this kind of judgmental and also manipulative energy, it's very difficult to be in a relationship because whenever I do something for you, oh, I want something back. 
<laughs> you know, a lot of people who are that way. Yeah, in yeah. Therapy, in fact, when I was in years and years of therapy, one of the things that I was taught was you don't do something because you expect something back. You do it from your heart. Whatever that other person decides, that's up to them, right? Yeah, so, you know, it was, uh, it's laughable now that I think about it. But one of the things I remember that I talk about also in the book is the moment my ego got crushed because of the divorce, I realized that everything I ever judged and pointed a finger at my ex-husband is something that was true in me, that actually he was simply my mirror. Right. So if I said he has anger issues, then I have anger issues. You know, if I think he's selfish, then I'm selfish. If, you know, whatever my complaint about him is actually about me. Right. So doing this work is so powerful because I used to be walking around and I'd get triggered left and right. But actually, now when I get triggered, I get super excited because I know that the other person is just a mirror reflecting what is unhealed in me. And so whenever I get triggered now, I'm like, oh, great. This is actually um, a tantric Buddhist meditation practice where they meditate on their anger or their fear as a ticket to enlightenment, right? So, you know, when let's say I got angry at something yeah, give okay us an example like you're feeling angry or you're feeling so that we're talking about shadow work and especially with relationships so someone is uh so you're feeling angry or you're in a relationship and all how do you go about um taking getting healing that shadow and and recognizing what it is and making sure that that shadow isn't tripping you up anymore becoming more conscious right so is it through a combination of therapy and acupuncture or the shamanic work or, or how, how, how do you process that? How, how does that go? So just picture the iceberg and the tip of the iceberg, like the Titanic, right? So there's what's above the water level and that's our conscious. So usually we have two to 5% access to our conscious mind. 95 to 98% is below the water. You know, that's the part that we cannot see. So the Titanic, you know, actually hit the bottom first, right? So when we get triggered, what's happening, for example, anger, is actually just the tip of the iceberg, right? Like, let's say, um, you know, I asked my daughter for something, and then she said no to me and I got really angry. That's only the tip of the iceberg. So when you meditate, you're like, okay, what's really underneath this? Because how can I get angry at something so little, right? Sometimes we, we sit in traffic and we get angry for being cut off. But you're like, why am I getting angry at being cut off? That's so trivial. That's because there's all this 95% that this is linked to. So for example, even though my daughter said, no, I don't want to go to the beach with you. 
but maybe that link to all the other times that I have been rejected, all the other times somebody said no, maybe I wanted to get this job and I heard no, maybe I wanted to be in a relationship with this person and they said no, and maybe I wanted whatever I wanted, but I didn't get, right? And we all have a lot of those where we oh, want we something do. and we didn't get it. Okay, so so then when we're meditating on, oh, so it's really because I am attached to getting what I want. How about that? And then, then you might get one step further, which is, you know, Winnie, what I know is like less than 1%. What I know that I don't know is like 1%. What I don't know what I don't know, which is AKA my blind spot is 99%, right? Who am I to think that I know better than God or I know better than the universe? It's just like, it's ludicrous to think that at any given moment in time, I know what is the highest and best for me because my blind spot is 99% huge. Right. So, so usually it brings me down to a place of I am a child of God. Another way to say this is I'm a co creator of this universe. At once, I'm very powerful because I have the power to change my life by changing my mindset. But at the same time, I also get to surrender to all the help and all the gifts that are out there. And I get to practice trusting that, you know, the universe is always doing what is best for me. Now, you may argue, Winnie. I don't think that's true. Look at all this trauma that I've had in my life. I think the world is out to get me. You know, I got to be defensive and, you know, look at how many times in my life I've been raped and I'm a victim of, you know, domestic abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. And this is what I have to say. We get to choose. If we think the world is out to get us, that becomes your reality. If we think that the world, everything happens for our highest and best interests, that becomes our reality. So basically, we get to choose if we want to defend and struggle in life, or we want to just breathe, relax, have pleasure, and receive the abundance that the universe wants to give to us. So, all right, so someone's been raped or someone's had this terrible childhood or whatever, and they're not meditators and they, they feel all this anger or what, whatever, they've been triggered like crazy. And the universe, they want, they want to believe the universe is providing them with all these wonderful positive options. Where do they go? What do they go to Winnie? Do they, are, are there ways that you pull out those blockages? Are there ways that they heal it? How do they, and that's the shadow work. How do they go about that? Thank you for asking. And that's what you talk about in your book. Yes. 
Thank you for asking me this very important question. So in the healing community, uh, we're divided about whether forgiveness is necessary or ne not necessary for healing, right? Because some people are like, you know, I don't have to forgive my rape person because I just don't have to. So what I have to say about this is I don't want to engage at an intellectual conversation about whether forgiveness is necessary or not because the body keeps the score. Your body is not gonna lie. So for example, forgiveness, one session, my client, I say fully recover. And so many women, we have breast cancer, endometriosis, fibroids, cysts, and, you know, people are like, I don't know where breast cancer comes from. So I don't know why I have endometriosis. We think we are a powerless victim of these physical illnesses. And this is what I say. I don't need you to trust me or believe me. But it's like this. I can tell you how good ice cream is with my words, but until you've licked the ice cream with your own tongue, you don't know, I, I can't possibly describe how great ice cream is, right? Like I can only tell you how many diseases can be healed with forgiveness, but until that moment but that forgiveness, you're- But forgiveness is letting, letting go of the uh, ongoing emotion. It's not necessarily forgetting. Yes, 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 right? yes, 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 yes. So, and then that brings me to the question is, I write about this in the book too. I want to forgive so badly. I chant mantras hours a day, forgive, 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 forgive. But I secretly haven't forgiven, which is why I'm spiritual bypassing. I think, I know forgiveness is good. I want to forgive so desperately, but I'm actually secretly just suppressing it deeper and deeper down into myself. And so then the question is, why is it so hard to forgive? Because we need to look at what is the benefit to staying a victim? Mm. Okay, so this is an example. So if my partner comes home tonight, I'm like, oh my God, I have lower back pain and I've had it for 10 years and I'm having this really bad flare up and COVID's hitting me so hard and I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. Can you please wash dishes? Okay, versus, oh my God, I'm making so much money. I just bought a new Prada bag. I'm going to go have drinks with my girlfriends later followed by getting a massage. Can you please wash dishes? Okay, see, when we are a victim, we can use our pain to manipulate other people to do what we want. And that's why we don't want to give up the trump card because why would I give up the ability to manipulate you to wash dishes for me? I don't want to give that up. And this is coming from scarcity. Okay, so if I don't have access to God, universe, spiritual realm, I think that if I give you $10, I have 10 fewer dollars. I'm 
I'm in this scarcity victim thing. So I need to, you know what? Uh, what I say is somebody raped me. Let's say they owe me $100 in negative karma currency. If I don't know God, I'm not going to forgive you because I want to claim that $100 back. But because I know God's source universe, and by plugging into the source waterfall, imagine you're getting $10 million per second just pouring into you. You know, you're getting unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, unconditional compassion. So my cup is not only full all the time, but what I'm giving you, the forgiveness I give you, the love, that's just the leftover. I can't even have more if I wanted to, right? So it's like, I can forgive you very easily because God forgives me first. And that's why, um, you know, I'm a nerdy doctor, you know, like to me, it's like my client comes in, you know, they have liquid coming out of the ears. They don't care if it's Western medicine, Chinese medicine, or spiritual medicine. Right. That doesn't stop the liquid coming out of my ear. Do anything you want, you know? Um, so in my nerdiness, I have done a lot of experiments. And what I've concluded is that we are all very, very rich, right? Imagine God is this 24-7 ATM. You're like, God, give me the money. And then God gives you the money. So I'm like, oh my God, like if you haven't connected God source, universe, spiritual, whatever tradition you want to. Um, and that's why I also study the Bible every day. I practice Taoist, Buddhist, Hindu traditions, scriptures, texts, because I want to speak the language that my clients speak, right? So anyways, anybody who talks about love, forgiveness, compassion, we are all one. I, I totally get that. Tell me, Winnie. Um, you had a near-death car accident, and it led also to a, that spiritual awakening that you, I, I hear over and over, you are sourcing that spiritual awakening. So, and it brought you an awareness that you needed to live in the present, not the past and the future, which is also part of your honoring darkness. So um, tell us about that, because that was such a pivotal, um, important experience for you. Yeah, so uh, if you've never meditated a day in your life and don't know God and Spirit, join the club. I was one of them. So for the first 37 years of my life, I was just girl with four science degree. You know, I didn't have any faith, never meditated, don't know anything about God and Spirit. And then I had this near-death car accident. And I remember going in like to the accident, you know, three seconds before I see this car turn into a raisin. I was like, I'm gonna die. And I just wasted my whole life with anger, holding grudges in the past of all the things that I'm angry at my ex-husband. And I, all the fear, which is like all the possible, things that can go badly in the future, which hasn't even happened, but I'm just in fear about my daughters and how they're going to turn out. 
And I just spent my whole life living in anger of the past and fear of the future. I really haven't been here. I haven't enjoyed the gifts of breath. I haven't enjoyed my life. I haven't enjoyed love. I just spent my whole life angry and scared. <laughs> what a waste, right? I just my whole life. Oh my, oh my gosh. God, doing yes. that. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Tell me, um, you want to give us an example of the healing you facilitated through your shamanic healing work? Yeah, so sometimes people are in denial of things. And this is part of the reason. I mean, I love talk therapy and I really encourage everyone to do talk therapy. But too. if you've never worked with a shaman or a spiritual healer, is that they can tell you things that you don't even know about yourself. And that's really helpful. Okay, so one time I had a client. So how do they know these things? Because your spirit guides are speaking to them? Yeah, or? speaking through me, yeah. So one time I had a client, um, she lives out of state. So this was a telephone session. She said, oh, Winnie, I'm referred to you. I've had a cough with phlegm for over a month. I've gone to CT scans. The lungs show negative on pneumonia, but I just don't know why I keep coughing and I have phlegm. And in the beginning, she couldn't complete one sentence coughing twice. And I'm like, poor woman. And so in Chinese medicine, grief is stored in the lungs and, you know, coughing. So I said, okay, tell me about grief. What are you processing right now? And she said, Winnie, I'm a Reiki healer. I've done a lot of work. I don't have any grief. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. Whatever you, um, you say, but you're obviously coughing. So I said, okay, well, I'm not going to solve this problem in the human realm. So let me check in and see what they say. Okay. Um, and so when I tuned in, I heard that there is a relationship, a romantic relationship where she's not quite over. And then she said, oh yeah, two years ago, you know, my boyfriend broke up with me, but I think he made the wrong choice. So she secretly still wants to get back with him, but she's even suppressed it because she wanted to move on so badly. And then later I tied it back. She told me she's had this rash that starts from the nose um, and goes up into her eyes. And she's had nonstop runny nose for two years. So that's the clue is that she's had nonstop runny nose for two years. And it's because two years ago, she was broken up with her boyfriend. I'm like, okay, that's because everything, you know, that's what I mean. The body keeps the score. Like we think we've moved on from that breakup, but no, like you're still like have lung stuff and rash out of your nose and coughing and so what we did was, you know, through the spiritual practices and the downloads and empowerments and transmission, like in one session, actually by the end of the call, she talked half an hour, no coughing. Oh my God. And you would get all this on the phone with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. I've, I've been part of uh, shamanic work too, and I, I, it's fabulous and fascinating. 
You say that grief is a sacred gift that brings us into deeper love with the divine. Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, because it is in my darkest moments that I get to know God, source, universe, spirits, you know. Um, so I write about this in the book that, you know, I haven't been suicidal for many years since I had my kids. But one month after uh, the divorce, I was like, what's the point of living? Because, you know, even my rock is abandoning me. I mean, if my rock is abandoning me, then like, why am I living? And it's really funny because I remember that this thought happened on Easter Sunday. And, you know, um, I normally don't go to church, but I'm so desperate that my brother is like, hey, you want to go to church? I'm like, sure. And, you know, so I prayed to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I, I'm going to go do some really deep shadow work to look at the part of my psyche that is suicidal. And I trust that you're going to hold my hand and not let go because I know I'm not going to make it out the tunnel without you being my guide and you loving me. And it's so funny because when I came out of that shadow work session, I've never experienced this profound peace. And it's really funny because the peace that I have, I can just give it to other people. So the grief, so the grief was the gift that got you to delve deeper into your shadow work, into your, your pain and your blockages. And then it strengthened my relationship with my guides because I, it is in our darkest moments that we are the most sincere in our prayers. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm hurting and do something, you know. So it's is it you know which leads me to the my other my this question but now you've answered it which was explain how pain is our sacred clairsentient channel and how our body is a vehicle for enlightenment so everything that happens to us is really a signal to instead of suffer with it and complain about it to think what is what what's brought that on what's the source of that and what is that triggering that I need to heal bingo you can teach my course <laughs> i got it um and please explain this statement which i also resonate with Winnie tremendously the more we heal ourselves the more we heal the world that's you could say that's the mission of grief and rebirth podcast so would you like to comment on that yeah so I want everybody to picture the infographic of the patient zero and COVID. You know, one person walks around with COVID and then they go to a restaurant and all of a sudden everybody has exposed to COVID. And healing really works the same way. You know, if I have experienced God and I 
know how to experience unconditional love, peace. When you read my book, when you take my course or work with me in private session, the way somebody can give you COVID, I can give you that experience of unconditional love. And then it's kind of like once the COVID virus is in your body, it starts replicating. So once you've experienced the unconditional love in your being, you're going to start, you know, like being the unconditional love. And then you're going to walk around, you're going to give it to your family, your company, your community. And that's really the science of how healing can be amplified. So that's why like, I'm like, oh, please, please take my course and read my book because I want you to be, you know, like the person who brings this healing into your family and your community. And, you know, think about how much flourishing can happen in your life. What about if love, if unconditional love and lack of judgment and, and acceptance was like a virus and we could pass that along to the world instead of the anger and the frustration and, and, and the complaints and all of that. What a different world. You're absolutely right. It would be. Um, so tell us about this 11-week course you teach that allows a person to systematically rebirth each shadow into a light. And how do you, and you teach this course online, I take it? Yes. So I'm a doctor. And one of the things that I think very firmly is that healthcare should be available to people regardless of income level. And so that's why I first started with the book, you know, for $28, there's these 10 shadows and their exercises at the end of every book. So if you can't afford the course, you can still benefit by doing the exercises at the end of each chapter. You know, working with me in the course is a faster or easier way if you can afford it. And trust me, you're gonna get 40 times your financial investment back because all of a sudden your health problems are gone. Maybe you start losing weight, okay? Maybe you, you finally attract that boyfriend or girlfriend that you want and then your business is flourishing because when you really get connected to unconditional love, it's so powerful. The course is hybrid. So it is on Zoom and it's also in person because I love in person and I also love Zoom. Well, you've got so, a great personality. You project great through Zoom also. So, so what's really great also is um, actually, maybe I'll invite you, Irene, to, to teach the grief class for me next <laughs> quarter because um, I really think it's important, you know, this isn't the Winnie course, this is the community's course. So every week I feature a different, like podcast, I feature a different teacher who has the expertise on that particular subject matter, you know, so you can be the expert on grief. Well, I, I would basically, uh, my belief is really, and grief is also something that you can choose. You're never going to heal it. It's never going away, but you can use it as a, as a, as a motivator to uh, find all these places. For instance, they say, if you grieve on, if you're, if you're grieving deserves on a scale of one to 10, if you're grieving is on a, on a 15 or a 20, it has roots in your pain and in your other stories. 
and you can use it as a motivator, which happened to me. You can use it as a motivator to do healing all the way around for all different types of issues in your life and find freedom and joy again and all of that. But um, you also have additional courses and classes, Winnie, besides, or you just basically want to talk about this 11-week course. Yeah, so at the moment, I am... Uh, focusing on the shadow work. And I'm actually in the process of birthing another book called Unlocking Light. And, you know, this one, you know, is in, in the work. So you can, um, if you also want to unlock the light, then you want to follow me on social media so you can find out when the book comes out. Well, you'll come back onto the podcast and we'll tell them, we'll tell everyone about that one too. Yes. And- And what is the Winnie Chan tip for finding joy in life? Wow. It's really to, for me, is I close my eyes and I just really open my ears to receive the totality of the present moment. What I find is when I do that and I look into my heart, I gaze into my heart, it's almost like I can connect to this fountain, Mm, this fountain that's blooming out of my heart. It's almost like I can see the lotus in my heart and it's the most beautiful lotus and Everyone has the lotus in their heart. So whenever you need joy, just take a moment, close your eyes and look into your heart and picture that lotus. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, Winnie, I love this quote from your book, Honoring Darkness, Embrace Shadow Work to Nourish and Grow Your Power. If you want to have harmony in the world, then please look inside your heart. We're talking about the lotus heart. Start loving yourself, accepting yourself, and forgiving yourself. Thank you, Winnie, for empowering people to enact positive changes in their lives by healing all aspects of their lives. And thank you from my heart for an insights-filled, touching interview today. And here's a loving reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you're watching here on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe below so you never miss an episode. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings. And bye for now. Thank you so much, Winnie. Mm-hmm.